Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from the 12 by 12 Picture Book Writing Challenge. Picture book authors need to be fairly prolific to be published. That's why members of 12 by 12 aim to write one picture book draft a month. Through an online forum, monthly webinars, a private Facebook group, and more, members enjoy the accountability, support, and motivation of a fantastic community of authors and illustrators. Registration is only open in January and February. Visit 12by12challenge.com slash membership for more information. That's 12x12challenge.com slash membership. Support also comes from Little Feminist Book Club. Little Feminist wants to help you diversify your child's bookshelf. Each month, they send one to two books featuring characters of underrepresented backgrounds. Little Feminist spends months consulting with a team of educators, librarians, and parents to pick each book and create a suite of hands-on activities to accompany them. Whether it's treasure hunts or DIY musical instruments, the goal of the included activities is to make the stories come alive for both children and families. Go to littlefeminist.com and use the coupon code WINNER for $5 off when you order, or click on the link at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast to get started today. Raise good humans, one children's book at a time. So I show up, and then, like, my their their Wi-Fi wouldn't work with my computer. And, you know, it was just one of those kind of like, you're like, and it's just going to spiral down from here. That's right. It's not going to get better. <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, it all turned out good. So, um, but I just feel like I, I'm ready to swing with anything and we can just always use puppets if we have It's time, folks. Time to return to the world of Lupe Impala, El Chavo Flapjack, and Illyrio Malaria. It's time to talk about lowriders. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 492. I'm your host, Matthew Winner, and today I'm joined by Kathy Camper and Raul III, the creative team behind the Lowriders graphic novel series, including Lowriders in Space, Lowriders to the Center of the Earth, and the newest title, Lowriders Blast from the Past. I love this comic series for its focus on companionship and valuing that each of us has something unique and important to bring to the table. I also love Raoul's art, which is done entirely in ink pen. With Blast from the Past comes a focus on indigenous words and understanding where words come from. Actually, we cover so much ground in this conversation, I think it's best if we get started right away. 
So please welcome my guests, Kathy Camper and Raul III, author and illustrator of Lowrider's Blast from the Past. Um, my name is Kathy Camper. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I'm the author of The Lowriders. Yes, my name is uh, Raul III. My pronouns are he, him, and I am the illustrator of the Lowrider series with Kathy Camper and my debut picture book series, which is Vamos. Let's go to the market and vamos, let's go eat, which debuts this April. I am so impressed also that you are like debuting with a picture book series. But let me come on and just say <laughs> that it's been amazing to be connected to both you, Kathy, and you, Raul, over these years as Lowriders has become from a graphic <laughs> novel to a graphic novel series and one quite honestly that I'm obsessed with. And Raul, I've promised myself not to ask you how many pens you've gone through since <laughs> starting this, but it's something that sets your work apart and is something I just am so drawn to. You both have such a wonderful way of telling story and such amazing positivity and recognition of your reader in your story itself that to have a third one here and to have it go back to childhood for our 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 three main characters and to uh just have both of you i feel like operating at the at your top of your game is just so wonderful so thank you thank you for doing lowriders for our readers and just for your general i don't know awesomeness <laughs> Well, I think one of the um, one of the wonderful things, Raul, is probably um, having this happen too. But now that the books are out there, people know about them, and you know it's funny because when we first came out, we'd say, "Yeah, it's Lowriders in space," and people would look at you like you were insane, you know. But but now. Um, <laughs> People, you know, like I mention it and people will tell me stories about it or where they've seen it or, you know, and it's funny when you create a book, you think, I, I always feel like there should be a map like, you know, like on Pelham 123 when they go like the subway's here, now it's here. So like whenever somebody <laughs> reads your book, a little red light goes off, but it doesn't happen that way. So you just sort of feel like you're in this vacuum. Like, has anybody read it? Do they like it? What's happening? <laughs> Especially so, because you're writing for an audience that isn't really on social media. You're sort of relying on in that way, unless you're going up to schools, you are relying on teachers and librarians and parents right. to hop on and be, you know, sharing that they like your book. And often I think that's not our natural inclination. We read a book and love it. And then, we don't always jump to think like, oh, I should hop on social media and see if this Kathy Camper person is on there so I can tell her I like her book. <laughs> no, that, that's that's a, a brand new thing anyhow. When I was a boy, I never told anyone what I read. You know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, it's, but it's... you know, it's but things have changed. I remember my first book signing, New York Comic Con. I was sitting next to two debut books. One was by Grumpy Cat and the other one was a Star Wars book. And I was smack dab in the middle. Our book had yet to be released. And I would see people walking towards me. And I would think to myself, I'm about to sign my first book. But as they approached me, they would either go to Grumpy Cat or to Star Wars. But now, they actually 
come to us, which is kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they having having been out, they you know the books now have had that chance too to 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 take ownership with the reader, right? These are their books. These are the series that they identify themselves in. I was mentioning over, I think I mentioned over a, a, a tweet or something that I shared that um, my kid is at this sweet spot too. When I first started talking to you, he was, I was still reading to him, but now he's mm. eight and he's oh, reading yeah. these books and he um, <laughs> loves to bring home books from his school library and be like, daddy, look what I got. And it's, 100% always comics, if not every once in a while I see a nonfiction animals book in there. But he'll bring home stuff and I'll be like, buddy, we have that at home. <laughs> you can read ours. But <laughs> the, the ownership of taking it from his library is a big deal. Um, yeah. And he uh, just now is reading Lowriders in Space. And for me to say, you know, I'm talking to them this week and, and we're already on book three has him just so excited. I feel like now, now that he's sort of blossoming as a reader, he doesn't know what to do because he's trying to get through all of Amulet because the final book's going to come out for that. And he's working on this other thing. And now we've got low riders. And I think he's suddenly realizing that there are lots of books that are just for him. And that, That that's a big deal. And you're a part of that. You are a just for him book. So, this is the privilege I get having this podcast that I get to say to you both. Thank you. Because for all the readers that are coming uh, to to find their identity in your works, one of those readers is my kid. And it makes me so Aww. proud to have books that my <laughs> kid's so gravitating great. to. That's you. So thank you. Yeah. It's funny. Our, our boys are um, they're at the same age. My son is also eight. And yeah, he all he also does the same thing. He'll bring home books that we have in our collection only because he's found them at his library. <laughs> <laughs> well, and sometimes uh, peer pressure too. You know, a lot of times kids like other kids tell them about it, then it's cool. You know, it's like, um, and I love that about paper books that kids can share them that way i mean ebooks don't have that same ability you know like like a book can go around a classroom really fast because the kids are like you got to read this you know oh yeah the it circulates around the classroom and oh i never get mine is always kathy you work in a library too um in our school library mine is always no, Mr. Winter, I never get to read that book because this kid reads it. And then they, then another kid in that same class checks it out. You got to hold it behind the counter for me so that, you know, they're from a completely different grade or classroom. And the book tends to circulate within that one homeroom after somebody starts to right. love it. And it's just, I mean, how, how great is it that I'm like, okay, I'm now buying my fourth or fifth copy of said book. And you all just keep reading it and reading it. And it's comics, so they read them more than once they they see oh, their kid they reading fall. it yeah the graphic novels i've heard lots of librarians go like they're just in shreds <laughs> isn't it great those books are read and studied and just they're circulated so my i, I run circulation numbers because i love to nerd out over that and you know then the nerd the nerding out over libraries is a new thing just like the nerding out over being a reader raul you were saying we didn't talk about what we were reading as kids but now that's kind of a, a a thing that's more acceptable and a cooler thing to do. But my um, I love to run those circulation numbers. And Kathy, you might not even be surprised to to know that, like, our graphic novels circulate even more 
than any other collection in our library, including nonfiction. That section of graphic novels circulates more than the nonfiction itself because kids are reading them three at a time and they return them in, you know, two days and then pick up another three. They're just rapidly going through them and returning and returning. So to see children become the, that voracious of readers over this very special format is beautiful. I mean, the pressure's on you though, because you come out with a book and three days later, we're all like, when's the next low riders coming out? (laughs) And and they are really hard to make. (laughs) (laughs) Like every two years, you know? (laughs) Well, let's, let's talk about this, this one though. I realize that we're, we're talking so general about these books, but um, we haven't properly introduced Lowriders yet. Kathy, would you mind introducing the Lowriders series and then uh, sharing a little bit about this particular book, Blast from the Past? Well, um, so the Lowriders series is about Illyrio Malaria, a mosquito who paints with his beak, and Lupe Impala, who is an Impala and is a, a master mechanic of fixing cars. And El Chavo Flapjack Octopus, who's um, actually a Flapjack Octopus, and he cleans and buffs the cars. So we've written three books, but you can read them in any order, because I really hate those series where, oh, it's number seven, and number one and three are missing, so forget about reading it. (laughs) So so, um, however you approach it, it'll make sense. But the first one is um, they want to enter a car competition, so they have a beater car, and they fix it up, but by accident, it gets detailed by outer space, and it has rocket parts. And then the second book... um, lowriders to the center of the earth they um their cat genie goes missing so they go on an epic road trip down into the underworld to rescue their cat and they meet aztec gods and all kinds of monsters and skeletons and the third book is blast from the past and we both thought it would be funny kind of like how you have little muppets or little archies to go back <laughs> and see how um, how they all met as kids and it was it was pretty interesting cuz Raul had to redraw them even though they're the same characters cuz they look different as kids and what was funny was writing it you know you wouldn't think it would make a difference but adults talk differently than kids so you know i was writing and i'm like it doesn't feel flushed out enough and then i'm like but they're kids. <laughs> so so um, it was a little, you know, a little switch for us. But um, I wanted to talk about how Illyrio became an artist because I, I think that a lot of times kids think that an art, like you grow up and then you're an artist when the reality is you're doing it all the time, starting when you're a kid a lot of the times. And um, let's see, it also talks about um, some bullies that pick on them. And... Um, it, it kind of talks about how they all came together to find their skills and to become friends. I like too when if we if we focus on Illyrio that you know Illyrio you mentioned in the later books or <laughs> when he grows up um, draws with his with his beak with his stinger, but here we see him painting with a paintbrush and that discovery of the right tool or the tool that works for Illyrio. And I thought that was such an interesting thing to see because in that development of an artist, uh, finding, I mean, I 
I'm an artist in that I write. I don't draw, but I certainly could say that I've found the right, or I'm continuing to find the right technique for how I write best. That that mm-hmm. process of discovery was something that I thought was really interesting. I, I hadn't seen that addressed with children before, and I thought that's that's a really cool thing. Um, Kevin, how and did you? It, no, go ahead, Rel. And also, uh, <clears throat> I I love how that discovery happens, and it's so realistic as to how it happens in real life, uh, which is quite by accident. You don't really ever know unless you're willing to try. And that's what Kathy um, shows us so beautifully in, in this uh, in this story. It's limitations, isn't it? When we are given limitations, we thrive. When a task is so open-ended, it, it's it's hard to be creative. We have to put limitations on ourselves, mm-hmm. a time limitation or an access limitation. And by doing that, I mean, in this case, the limitation was no brush stroke marks. How in the world am I going <laughs> to paint this car with no brush stroke marks? Uh, and yet there was this way, there's this accident yeah. stumbling into way that becomes signature. That's yeah. right. I like that. Kathy, did you, how, how has writing, um, change for you because i mean you you stumbled into i mean i know that you write um i know that you write zines but then you came to write comics and i suppose maybe there was some crossover in between but but when we're in school you know we don't i don't i even now i don't um we don't spend a whole lot of time focusing on that format of writing comics or even writing writing sort of in the form of uh, dramatic manuscripts. We don't we don't focus on that format a whole lot with children, and yet that's a lot of the skill set that's employed in writing comics. How did how did you come upon building that skill? <laughs> I think I just sort of did it. Right? I, I, <laughs> that's the right answer. Well, I mean, I should mention my my sister does comics, and I and I'm. I'm surrounded by a lot of people that do comics. And I think both Raul and I, you know, it's like we were swimming in comics our whole life. So it wasn't that much of a stretch to do it. And I, I mean, the other thing I'd mention is that like, I have probably hundreds of manuscripts that are never finished or published just through my life of writing. So you know, it, it's not like suddenly you just appear and you're doing it perfectly. It's like, you know, the same as with Illyrio, you keep doing things and, oh, that didn't work. Okay, I'll try this. Okay, I'll try this. And it's those hours and hours of doing it. And then something rises up and connects and it's kind of a mixture of luck and that you've been, you know, practicing all along. So, um I don't think, I mean, my first book that I published is a nonfiction book about prehistoric insects. So, um, <laughs> was Aledio in that one, Kathy? <laughs> no. <laughs> but um, I don't think mosquitoes, you know, they, they weren't even in my book. I'll have to look and see when they evolved. But um, um, I think that, like, to me, doing nonfiction is sort of like writing a school report, and it, and it has a different passion like to get to um like I interviewed scientists from the Smithsonian and you know I I got to go behind the scenes and the Smithsonian scientist was opening these drawers filled with fossils and I I mean as a little kid I had always wanted to kind of be a paleontologist or at least a beachcomber you know like the person (laughs) that finds the stuff so 
it realized that that wonderful fantasy to have that happen. But on the other hand, it felt like homework because you have to fact check everything and you have to make sure you don't miss anything. And, you know, it, it was whereas in a fiction story, you can kind of just go with wherever you want to go. <laughs> Um, but Kathy, even even though um, you still you still seem to reach out to a lot of different people when you're uh, even ma- in the making of these lowrider books, from your uh, Spanish speaking library fan- friends to lowrider car clubs, you name it, you're you're reaching out to people, right? Yeah, and I mean, I think that's one of the things that t- kind of blows me away is um, you know, like if I look at my social media friends. There's, there's people that I've never met that I'm kind of blown away with that were online friends. And then there's people like, you know, Raul and I might meet at some conference. And, and I think, like, if I could live in the same town as all these people, we would be hanging out constantly. And all doing these people, stuff. yes. But what a blessing, right, that, but, that we have that social media that allows you to find and be connected with and have that, that community, that virtual community. Like yeah. I got one uh, fan letter from an actual guy that's actually like running a car shop and he's in Vacaville and he said, I read your book and I just wanted to know <laughs> why was Vacaville in there? Do you know anyone here? And I was kind of blown away because nobody else had mentioned that. But when I first thought up the book, I was thinking it would be in California. <laughs> and then Raul like, imagined it all in Texas but there's still the like two little mentions there that that refer it back to California so you know I told them well I put those in there because um, I was mentioning a couple of small cities that weren't the big cities because I knew that's where a lot of car guys were you weren't not everybody was in East LA you know and I was just kind of blown away that he had taken the time to write and had read our books you know and it just it's like, wow, you know? Well, you took the time to show him himself in your book, too, though. That shout-out to, to location, that that feeling of, of being seen. I mean, that's something that I feel like never goes away. Uh, it's important for young readers to see that, but adults, too, to know that this is there's a piece of me in here. There's a piece of where I come from. There's a piece of my story in here. Absolutely. You're certainly. It's it's very easy to tell the way both of you respect the the cult, the lowrider culture in these books. The I mean, there's just so much. I mean, you're, I guess my brain is also flying too, Kathy. Because speaking of research, and Raul, I have to imagine that you. I know, looking at this art, that you that you do a fair amount of research as well. Because in this book, we have shoutouts to protesters to artists who who paved the way we have shout outs to uh, a bird that was thought to be extinct and found refuge (laughs) i mean there's so many there's so much in here there's i'm i I don't even i i want to go one more place too let me go here because there's something also that you're doing in here that i feel like is operating on such a deep level and we can tie all this together with this one thing and that is words indigenous words Mm -hmm. Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Viz Media. 
Viz is excited to announce that Pokemon Adventures, the most popular and longest running Pokemon comic, is now available digitally. Visit viz.com Pokemon to read a free preview of the beloved All Ages series. That's viz.com Pokemon. Support for the Children's Book Podcast also comes from longtime supporter Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. Sign up today at StorytellerAcademy.com. And we can tie all this together with this one thing, and that is words. Indigenous words. Mm-mm. Thank Kathy, you. that oh, yeah. drawback, not only the back matter, which is fantastic, the back matter in this book, tying in not only those artists, but where words come from, but that you have Alerio always drawn to these words. We know this, but here drawn to indigenous words, drawn to first words and dad affirming that Papa affirming. I brought these words back for you and here's where they came from. Uh, and also a moment, I don't think it's spoiling anything. We talked about these bullies, but there's a moment in the, the book that is so beautiful that you gave Alerio, which is saying, wanting to write the bullies' names and how the bullies thought it was so cool the way that Alerio could write these names. And Alerio says, no, 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 let me write your real names. Mm-hmm. That was, that was, it, it was just eye-opening to me. It was beautiful. It was, it felt like your heart right there. It felt like maybe the most vulnerable thing I've seen in these books down on these pages and i just thought that that to me just it shook me it took me out it was beautiful wow well you know um before i started these books back when i lived in minnesota i was taking um community college spanish and my teacher um said the word for peanut was cacahuate and i fell in love with that word but i'm like that's not spanish And so I went up and asked her, and she said, oh, that's an indigenous word. And so a light went off in my head, because living in Minnesota and Wisconsin, like most other states, you're surrounded by all these indigenous names and words, but we just sort of ignore that they mean anything or who they came from. You know, it's part of colonialism that that's sort of been smushed and wiped out. So... It made me start thinking, and then, you know, it was always in the back of my head, and then it kind of developed into this idea for the story. But then when I was researching it, I actually wrote to Debbie Reese and asked her, um, you know, do you know of any other kids' books that talk about this? And she said no, but she referred me to two good adult books, um, and so those are what I used primarily for my references and um one of the guys was actually a cultural competency reader for the book but i was excited about that too because i thought this is something that anybody living in the americas needs to know they you know you need to know that that there's all this knowledge in these words and that they come from cultures of people that you know were just as important as we are and um so i um you know, it's sort of like in a comic book. Um, it was funny because you're going to laugh. I went down and I'm friends with one of the catalogers. So when I saw the cataloging for the book, I'm like, is there a way you can catalog for indigenous loan words? So he looks it up and there's some dumb 
Library of Congress term that doesn't even tell you what that is. So that's what he had to put it in under. So, you know, maybe maybe somebody will find it that way. Probably not. But I, I just felt like it's really important. Plus, some of my indigenous friends from different places in the country have told me that, like, particularly in the Southwest, a lot of those kids are really into lowriders. So I'm like, this is a way to connect them with our stories too, you know, like you're yeah. part of too. Kathy, mm-hmm. so that I can link this in our show notes, that I can show these books. Um, what do you remember? Which of the um, books written for adults? Um, wh- wh- who was the person that you talked to? I, I'm, I'm yeah. in the back of the book. I, I'm going to look it up in the back. I, I, I see just... that it's Oh Brave New Words. Um, yeah, um, which is Charles Cutler. No, it wasn't him. It was Anton Truer, and he is. Um, from Minnesota, and he um, is working on an Ojibwe dictionary, I think. And when I lived in Minnesota, I, you know, when I saw the book, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember reading stuff by him and hearing about him. So he was one of the cultural competency readers. And the other guy runs an indigenous Comic-Con in Albuquerque, and his name is Francis Lee. And um, I I was really touched because... We had people from two different tribal backgrounds, two different parts of the country. One guy's more academic, one guy's a comic nerd, you know, and I thought, what a what a wonderful, you know, way to fact check what you're doing. And they both had no problems with it, which also kind of humbled and blew me away, you know, because um, there's so many things that come out these days that are problematic. I was touched that. Um, they liked it. So I'm grateful you went there and also grateful that you, you left that trail for us to go there too. I see in the back here that Anton's book is called everything you wanted to know about Indians, but were afraid to ask Came out yeah. in 2012 and to know about this, this comic con as well, the Francis Lee runs um, this just, I mean, this serves also for all of us knowing that these books are going to be jump off points for any number of topics, but the fact that you have back matter there to allow for all of these things to be jump off points. The fact that mm-hmm. <laughs> that you, Raul, have shown how um how the um ah what's the word? The like um the spray brushes, how they work. That you've illustrated oh, yeah, well, the, the... well what, one thing about the also that was really fun for me to illustrate about the in, uh, indigenous words was how um I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure how- when I told you the story, Kathy. But it must have been when we first met. Uh, I had had mentioned to Kathy that um, my dad. My dad is a, a is a storyteller. He would he oh, would yeah. always he would always tell us all sorts of stories. And the reason why is because, uh, like Eledio's father, um, my uh, my father was also a door to door salesman. So he would uh, leave us for weeks on end and go all up and down New Mexico. And he would always come back with all sorts of uh, inspiring stories, painting pretty vivid uh, pictures for myself and my two brothers. And so um, when I uh, read Kathy's script, it suddenly dawned on me that she was basically... Uh, paying an homage to to my own dad and to myself when I was a kid, and so it made it even 
it was just very easy for me to to get into uh, the mindset of of the characters at that point. Yes. Do you remember when you discovered your your tool of choice, your your artist medium of choice, little Alario? <laughs> Sorry, I'm drawing too close of a con- connection. <laughs> I had to say a couple times when I was writing it, I remember I wrote Raul instead oh, of it. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> uh, it was probably just uh, I found my tool of choice uh, as a kid because it was basically the only tool I had to choose from. That was it, yeah. And that that was it and uh it, and it was the it was the ballpoint pen for me because it allowed me to to create detailed uh illustrations which is what I was always drawn to was minute little details. I So it's been I mean, I've said to you before how drawn I am to this art because it looks and feels different. But I also realize perhaps over these years of looking at your art that what it also does for me is that it it shows every mark. There's nothing hidden. I see the hatching. I see the layers overlapping. It's it's it, there's there's no tricks being played on the eye. Right. Um, it's, no, there's there's the mistakes are left in. It's it's very uh, it's very real. There's there's not much left out of it. But when you have that realness too, then you have the insane things happen. Like when we see um, the car finely detailed when they take it to this. When when we go to the to to see if the um, if they can get into the car show that that supercaro yeah. that is. I mean the. I'm just looking on page like 93 where where everyone is postured leaning back angling out from this car uh with this gorgeous design of these roses detailed all over and mm. this there's so much of well, that going this, on this. this was also this was also a fun book because you know we were exploring what their lives were like when they were when they were kids and I wanted to make the art look softer and mm. more innocent and so I I did a few things to to approach this book differently than I had in the previous two volumes. And so I omitted black from the art. So there's no black. Only in the flat in the in the first page do you see the black when uh, we're introducing the characters. And I also uh, so blue is the darkest color in in the series. And in the, in this volume, and I also rounded the corners of all of the panels. All the panels, yeah. Yeah, so all of the panels are rounded out. And then in the previous, uh, the the other two books, the characters have five fingers. And in this one, I, I, I only gave them four. Stop <laughs> it. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> that you do use black though and it, it's striking and it's what I think made me realize that I was seeing blue the rest of the book was when you flash to those those artists um, yes well that was because um, these artists they're they're an artist collective from Los Angeles 
they they go by the name of Asco, and they're real people. And so I just felt that I wanted to uh, portray them as realistically as I could. So even their animal alter egos aren't so pronounced. And I thought, well, since this is kind of like a little our little documentary yeah. moment, I will um, just use black and red crayon. And so that's how we approach that. Yeah, and I felt Section. like, you know, we're always seeing Frida and Diego, always, always, always. And I was like, let's branch out a little. And I was really taken, like, the facts that I put in there, the things that, to me, were, like, really cool if you were a kid. Like, I love that Gronk did that, where he made sculptures and buried them and all buried over. them. I was yeah. literally going to read that. I was literally going to say that, Kathy, that it said, and Gronk liked to hang out at libraries and draw Probably like you, Alario. When he was a kid, he made clay masks and buried them all over East LA so future archaeologists would find them. What? Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> if, if, if your kid is doing that, you know they're going to be influential artists. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I read that in a biography of him, and you know, it was like. I want to be friends with him because <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that. You know, it's like doing art and you have no clue w who it will affect. It's it just putting the art out there, you know. Another fun fact that uh, Kathy left out about Gronk was that when he went to the library as a kid, he didn't know how libraries worked. And so he just started reading the books from left to right on the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> he was trying to make his way all the way down until a librarian actually stopped them and said, um, actually kind of told him how uh, a library had its books organized. Well, she started saying, no, this is what you should read. You know, she started saying, like, I think she saw he was bright and cool and like, read this, read mm -hmm. this, you know, so that he got mm -hmm. cool books. Um, yeah. I also I loved the way um, Raul drew the, the, um, the, the woodpeckers um, workshop because oh, yeah. we both talked about we really didn't want it to look like a sweatshop. So it's one of my favorite pages. Whenever I get to that, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of moments like that. I mean, I still think of, of lowriders in space that there's, there's one or two spreads in there that just have stuck with me. I can, I can almost just redraw them now from memory. Um, and same with center of the earth. I think about those, some of those scenes, some of those like <laughs> grippling monsters all over the page. But <laughs> I was taken back by, you know, you say so much in here too, Kathy, about, um, about where, what places women can take up, what spaces they can be in, right? These bullies mm -hmm. saying this isn't a space for women, but all throughout, you've got strength in so many different forms in women and in the lives of these kids, the, the women in the lives of these kids, um, that as, as we are taken into the end of the book, I realize there's all these moments that are carried with us. And one of my favorite scenes, um, because of the way that it was both written and illustrated, is when Alerio is with mom and you've got this this... Uh, flooding of, of red in the background. There's almost this frame of red that really draws you into to 
to their faces and this mom comforting him over, do you know how to deal with bullies? They usually bully you because they're bored or lonely. So if you like befriend them, you'll, you'll catch them off guard and you know, you can, you can ask them to help you. Um, I felt like having that strength and wisdom in that moment of vulnerability was so powerful to me. And there are all these beautiful moments of, of quiet strength and of, (laughs) of not so quiet strength of just straight up, (laughs) straight up, like, listen, this is power. And this is, this is, uh, this is just showing you what's up. That, that was one of my favorite scenes to draw was how to, like you said, frame that moment with with the with the red behind them and and slowly zoom in to yeah. to their to the emotion and to uh, the advice that she was giving to little Elerio. I love that scene. It's so pretty. Yeah. There's so many moments in here, Raúl. I love the way that um, you draw the 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 bullies. Oh yeah. I mean, they're just graphically. They're they're shapes their faces are so strong and the way that i mean there are even you 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 both do this great parallel paralleling of characters in the beginning our characters meet these like big tough people working on their low rider there's that cat with the um with the yeah, like with teeth the engravings that say meow <laughs> and the, the snake tattoo and Hilario draws the snake and and they're all like whoa that's even better Um, but to have, to have toughness portrayed in these different ways and vulnerability displayed in these different ways through the art and words, I just felt like I just, there was so much operating in this book that my senses were just, you know, blinking all over as I read. I was so impressed. You both have done exceptional work and I'm just feeling at this moment in our conversation, like, whoa. I could talk to you for four more hours once again. We are here. We've already done our time together, and yet there's so much more that you but are finding one to thing give. That you forgot. You forgot the the five pages of gratuitous flatulence. No, my word! Can we? No, wait, wait, wait. Can we also contextualize that you, Kathy, have opened our book? You've op- You've pulled back the curtains. Starting with five pages of flatulence, super jet fuel, vroom, vroom. (laughs) It's so great. Like, um, you know, I'll sometimes come up to kids and I'll be like, you want to read a book about farting? And they'll look at me and I hand it to them and you can just kind of see their eyes get big. Like, like you actually spent all this time doing this. Can we all... Can we all show up at a con together wearing shirts with Alerio saying, I'm powered by, how, how do you pronounce the word, pedos? Pedos, yeah. Pedos, I'm powered by farts? Come on. Killing me. No, that I, was actually, the Kirkus Review said that it had five pages of gratuitous flash. Uh, uh, I was like, can we just put that on the back of the book? Because for our age group, that's a real seller, that's a you know? Seller. Of course that, it is. That, that, that flatulence cost us our star, Kathy. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. I just felt like the reviewer, you know, it was kind of like, don't you know what this grade level is about? But we are whatever. talking to children, and it's 
awesome, and I would totally wear that shirt. And I'm realizing that I should put out one more thing before we start to wrap up, that um, the format of your books, for those that have not read these books yet, you you include um, not only these indigenous words, but you also include Spanish words and are constantly footnoting them with asterisks, that they are these are bilingual books or dual language books and that when these when these words come up you have them right there on the bottom of the page that I've found that on repeated reads those words start to be vocabulary that children pick up on they understand the context they don't need to look up the words as much uh, anymore or at least this is what they tell me which is awesome um, you also have them in the back what do they you know you have a glossary of what the words mean but that is a signature format uh, in your books that you don't you don't explain in dialogue you don't let that the explanations interrupt the flow of the story but also you have given those keys where needed at the at the bottom of each page where needed so that it doesn't stop understanding you're not constantly flipping back between like the back glossary and whatever page you're on. And that's a format that you've had since the start, but one that I want to make sure that people new to the series are aware of, because it is also something that I've always admired about these books and have, have felt like their other comics should follow suit that are doing things like, like, well, and I also, I mean, from my librarian side, you know, I wanted these books to reach out to like, um, kids that are doing English as a second language and incarcerated kids, at-risk kids, and, you know, giving them a tool of a glossary. Like for an adult, maybe you don't need that, but for kids, it's like learning to use a glossary is also an empowerment. And, yeah. you know, it also, you know, like like I've done outreach to kids that are in lockdown or something. They don't have Internet access. They can't get a dictionary. So, you know, it, it gives them everything they need within the book. And that was always really important to me. I, I appreciate that. Hey, before before I ask you that final question, let me um, just ask if there's anything we didn't cover that you want to make sure folks know uh, about. Uh, either about Blast from the Past or anything in the series or the way you made the book. I want to make sure people um, take off the jacket of the book because you have on the front cover, your cover art has this really beautiful uh, women's march picture with Lupe and her two uh, moms and on the back that giant logo of Los Matamascas. <laughs> but yeah. um, I always I, I love it. It's such a treat that, that we are seeing more and more uh, case cover art. And to have that connection of of the women's march on there, I thought we should make sure people. Well, look I under the I, cover. Des I designed those characters uh, on the day of the women's march, so that was pretty. It just made perfect sense to yeah. create that banner for it. That's nice to hear that that they've they've been there since that moment that they've been designed oh. that moment yeah and, and a nice shout out to chronicle that people should know is that the books come out simultaneously in paperback and hardcover because i know you know a lot of libraries or people can't afford a hardcover so it's it's there for you in paperback too it's there too good raul anything else that we should uh know before we go um no other than uh we have a great time uh, bringing these books to, to, to you. I am grateful that you bring them to us. Oh, and I should say, because this happened in between the last time we talked, um, you won a Portobello Prey Award. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That's a you. big that, deal. We didn't talk about that. 
That was amazing. It was uh, <laughs> a wonderful experience, and uh, I am forever grateful that, uh, yeah, that we, we had that honor. Well, whatever else we have to say, we'll just have to wait till book four comes out. But I'm glad that you're hard at work on that. And congratulations, yeah, I think Ro. It's, it's called Low Riders to the Rescue, and I'm excited about it because it, it, it was funny because it's a, them as an adult. So I had to kind of upgrade their talk a little bit oh. after the third book, but now it's going good. So Maybe cut down the farting pages to like four, but <laughs> remind yeah. them that, hey, your adults in your life still fart too, just so we're clear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, let me end with this question. And again, thank you for coming on. I always enjoy your company. Uh, and this time was no exception. You are you are rock stars in our library and to me as well. I really value I value that you're in the world, both of you. Uh, I hope we all get to meet sometime. We always enjoy this. It's so fun. Fun day. Okay, well, until we meet, let me say this. Kathy, I'll start with you. I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? Yes. Um, for book four, one of the things that Raul and I both felt really passionate about is we're really scared of all the things happening in the environment. So I thought, just tell them, try to figure out a way to use less plastic because um, I've just been reading all these really sad stories of how, you know, what plastic's doing in the ocean and to animals and stuff. So um, I thought that that would be my plea. And I know that kids are inventive and smart. And, you know, I'm thinking of ways not to use plastic bags or plastic straws. So, you know, we can all do this together. That tie-in, not only that plastic, but I'm going to bring us back to because you also talk about Standing Rock. I'm going to add, we're going to add a ton of stuff to the show notes because all the talk of Standing Rock and the environment mm -hmm. and what indigenous, the way that indigenous people, it feel are being centered in these national concerns is powerful. I'm grateful for that note. And I'm grateful that you are turning your attention that way for book four, Kathy. Yeah, I think it's going to be... Um... I, well, you know, I just sent the manuscript to my editor, and so you always feel excited when you send it in. And then, yeah, it's like getting your paperback in school covered with red marks and like, what were you thinking? And this joke makes no sense. And, um, you know, but I, um, um, it also, um, I, the, I, this is a teaser. It talks about both Raul and my background, um, me as an Arab American and Raul as Latino. I discovered there was lots of ways our cultures overlap. And I thought, what a really cool thing to write about. So nice. that's playing a part too. Well, Raul, I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message I can bring to them from you? Yes, absolutely. So I was thinking a lot about uh, how uh, Elerio learns that he can become an artist who exhibits his work in museums when he uh, looks over the wall and sees uh, a few of uh, a few contemporaries who are creating artwork themselves, and those people live in uh, his neighborhood. And I always think it's nice to get to know the people around you, whether it's your a fellow classmate or people in your community because uh, sometimes those people are, are, are 
making pretty amazing things and you could learn a lot from them. Mm-hmm. This is Darshna Kiani, children's author and book blogger. Want to find out the latest South Asian books and children's literature? Check out www.flowering-minds.com forward slash South Asian Kidlet. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com forward slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out with the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Karina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us, too. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.